it's great to worship with you guys this morning. I, I almost, uh, I told Pam, I almost don't want to come up and preach, but I'm going to anyway, so don't get nervous about that. But uh, we are going to worship some more together before we leave, because I, I just feel like Jesus was here today doing some amazing stuff, and I want to make sure we give him everything that we brought with us to give him. So uh, my name is Pastor Chris. If I haven't met you yet, I'm looking forward to it, just getting to say hi, hear a little bit of your story. And I just want to say thanks for being on time today. This, this is the service where if, uh, if somebody didn't set their clock in about 20 minutes, they're going to walk in the door and we're all going to turn around and point at them. No, don't, please don't do that. This, this is a no judgment zone here in uh, New Life Fellowship. But thanks for being on time. Uh, even though he famously said early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise, Benjamin Franklin did not initiate daylight savings time. So, and here all these years, I thought National Treasure was teaching me actual history, uh, but that's not true. There was a guy uh, in New Zealand somewhere that came up with it first, uh, Mr. Hudson. So I was trying not to be offended at him this morning when I lost my hour of sleep and had to get up. And all the groans come from the dad jokes. So we started a new series last week called Unoffendable because we believe as Christians, we can choose not to be offended at things. And we said last week, there's a lot of offended people in the world today. They're walking around continually insulted, outraged, upset at what's happening. Some people, I think, don't even know why they're upset. They, they just enjoy being upset and offended about things. And uh, I saw this this week, uh, this might be kind of a dad joke, I don't know, this is the first and last group therapy session for the easily offended. And uh, she said, we're trying to compare apples and oranges. And she says, what's that supposed to mean? You think I'm some kind of fruit? And he says, wait, you as in you people? Did you ever get that? Somebody says, oh, you, you guys, and they get offended by it. You people? Uh, somehow it's all about my weight and it's typical anti-vegan. So they're all upset. They're at the meeting to, to deal with their offenses and they're getting easily offended. So there's, there's the lame attempt at humor. Please laugh. It's, it's, I know it's early. It's daylight savings. Uh, I did see a couple quotes this week that made me think about what we're talking. Uh, here, was, here was one I thought was a great quote. It says, the easily offended are easily manipulated. Res- responding by being offended essentially gives somebody else control over your life. And I don't know about you, but I signed up for Jesus to be my Lord. And, and if I give you control over part of my life, that's giving you a place in my life that you weren't meant to have, that Jesus was meant to have that. And I think the easily offended or easily manipulated, we can start to control people and, and get them upset about certain things. So let's stay in a place where we want Jesus to be in charge of what happens in our lives. I saw this quote too. It says, humble people are not easily offended. And I thought, man, that's, that's not in the Bible, but that is really good. There's something about remembering our own need in life and remembering who we were before Jesus, remembering that we needed a Savior. When we stay in that place, it's harder to get offended at the people around us. And uh, this was the last one I saw that this week. It really made me think. It says, an offended heart is the breeding ground for deception. When we get offended, we start to believe the lie that others are less than that they don't have the same views as us, that they're not as important. I didn't need a relationship with those people anyway. Come on, those are lies that the enemy tries to feed us, and it happens when we get offended. So those are some quotes I saw this week. And uh, by the way, only one of those quotes uh, was from someone who was a professing Christian. So I think even the world recognizes how offenses hold us back and rob us from relationships and that we need to deal with it. We're doing this series because we weren't created to live offended. We weren't made to live that way and carry around all that junk. There is freedom and the joy that we were singing about this morning. Part of that joy comes from letting go of being offended at people. 
from forgiving and living a healthy and whole life where we're in relationship with people, that fills our hearts with joy. So we need to let go of some of these things, especially as Christians. We said last week that we are called to be relationship restorers, and that's part of our job, and it's hard to do our job when we get offended at people and people groups. And I I just want to give a commercial or a reminder. This doesn't mean don't address things that aren't right. Okay, there, there really are things that are right in the world. There's biblical standards. There's things that are, uh, we're supposed to be taking a stand for. When I say don't be offended, it doesn't mean don't ever say anything about things that aren't right in the world. I just think we can speak the truth without being, coming from a place of being hurt, of being offended, of being upset, of having bitterness in our lives. We can speak truth without being obnoxious about it. Can I get an amen on that one from, from somebody that's ever talked to a Christian somewhere in life? We can speak truth without being obnoxious about it. Uh, Romans 9.33, uh, Jesus was talking about himself, and it says, as Scripture says, this is what Paul said about uh, a prophecy about Jesus. I'm placing a rock in Zion that people trip over, a large rock that people find offensive. Whoever believes in him will not be ashamed. So believe it or not, there are actually things about Jesus that offend people. They will be upset, but offending people is not part of our call as Christians. If, if, if they are offended by Jesus, that's between them and Jesus. It's okay if people stumble over Jesus. That's, that's, please hear my heart on this. When we come together, if we clearly portray Jesus to the world, and people still reject him, or they say, oh, that's not for me. I'm okay with that, because Jesus can handle his business. But if people never see Jesus, because all they see are our opinions, they stumble over us before they even get to Jesus, then we've missed our call. So uh, I would love for us to be in a place where people clearly see Jesus. They can stumble over him if they want to, but they're not going to stumble over us. So part of uh, the command to us, Romans 12, 16 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Everybody say, that's a good verse. Thank you, Jesus, for putting up there. Uh, it, It doesn't say that it's up to everybody else to make peace with us. It says, as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone. I I think here's another thing. This is not in the Bible anywhere, but be the bigger person. Anybody ever heard that? Has anybody ever received that as advice from somebody? Has it ever been, well, several examples just popped into my mind. I'm not going to share any of them with you right now. Um, That's not in the Bible, but it is a biblical principle. Be the bigger person because Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. So there should be, whether, whether somebody ever reaches out to us or not, whether they ask us for forgiveness or not, we are the ones that's going to be up to us. We are going to live at peace with everybody. And uh, the fact is, it's hard to do that with the relationships that are closest to us. And this is where I wanted to get today, talking about managing those relationships around us, the offenses that we carry sometimes with the people who are closest to us. Uh, if uh, That's another dangerous question to ask. Do you ever, man, there's, you would be amazed sometimes. I'm so glad there's not like a little screen over my head on Sunday morning that shows you everything that I think. Um, yeah, and P- Pam just said, thank you, Jesus. Um, there are things that pop in there that I have to sort through on the fly. Lord, is that you wanting to say that or is that just the Chris? That's not the pastor Chris annoying, that's just Chris. Um, yeah, it's hardest to deal with offenses in the relationships we're closest with. That's, that's where I'll leave that one. Uh, 
Here it is. I'll, I'll just read this verse and then we'll talk about it. Proverbs 18, 19. Uh, all right, I'll throw that picture up there. Uh, that's a great place to go. Uh, so if two people love each other, nothing's impossible except deciding where to eat. You might not get offended over that. There might be other things, but it is hard to deal with those things interpersonally sometimes with the people we love the most. Uh, Proverbs eighteen nineteen talks about this. It says, it's easier to conquer a strong city than to win back a friend whom you've offended. Their walls go up, making it nearly impossible to win them back. Why is that true? It's because our friends are supposed to know better, Right? Our family is supposed to know better. Come on, especially our Christian family in church. We should know better than to treat each other like that. And when we offend each other in our closest relationship, it's harder to win them back because the offense hurts more. It hurts more than when it comes from a stranger. This person's supposed to love me. This person knows who I am. We've been in relationship. We stood at the altar and we took vows to each other to love and cherish each other forever. Pam ought to know better than to say that to me. And it hurts worse. And the walls go up higher. And it's harder to win that person back when you've offended them. We need to guard our closest relationships more diligently than any, any other ones. There's just there's something about... Especially if you're married in this room, if you've got a best friend, if you just have people that you're in relationship with, those closest relationships you have, you need to guard fiercely because the enemy wants to come and drive a wedge in those things and separate you. Uh, and I, I wanted to share Jesus had this experience with people that were closest to him, that got offended at him, uh, people who knew him, who had been around him. They didn't like what he was doing. And uh, he's on his way to Nazareth, his hometown. Uh, if you read, we're going to read some verses from Mark chapter 6 today, but you can go back this week, read, read Mark 5 and 6. There you go, just to start and give you the whole context. Before Jesus even gets to Nazareth, he's doing some amazing things. Uh, he had the, the woman that had an issue of bleeding for 12 years. You remember that story? She sneaks up through the crowd, touches the hem of his garment, and all of a sudden she's healed. She, she'd been bleeding for 12 years. Picture this with me. She's unclean. According to the Jewish law, she wasn't supposed to be around anybody. If she has blood coming out from anywhere, like that made you unclean under the law. So for 12 years, she's been isolated and unclean. And she goes through that crowd, and in the moment, she gets healed. And where Jesus was going, when, when she touched his robe, he was on his way to heal. Well, actually, he had been asked to heal, but the little girl died. And he was on his way to raise from the dead the synagogue leader's daughter. You remember Jairus in that story. He had asked Jesus, come to my house, heal my daughter. She's sick. And while he's taking the time to deal with this lady who touched his robe, the girl dies. And so Jesus goes to the house. I think it was amazing. Both of those stories had 12 in them. He had 12 years of bleeding and a 12-year-old girl. So you had somebody thinking about, wow, holy cow. This morning we're talking about lost time. Think about those people. Here's a lady that lost 12 years of her life of being in relationship with people, of being able to be in community, of having, having an opportunity to be with people. And she lost that during her life, 12 years of relationship. And then you had somebody that they lost 12 years of joy in a moment. My daughter that we had raised, I love her. She gives me so much joy in that moment she was dying. And they'd been robbed of their time and their joy. Jesus was starting to do some amazing things. He raised her from the dead. He healed the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. It's amazing. Jesus treated them exactly the same. He didn't get offended by them. Here's a woman 
come on, a woman coming to touch the rabbi who's been bleeding for 12 years. He didn't get offended and say, get away from me. He didn't get offended by a Jewish religious leader who had been persecuting him. They were getting upset at him. He treated them the same and said, I'm going to come to heal you. Amazing things were happening. Jesus' fame was spreading, and he went back to his hometown. He went back to the city of Nazareth. People's expectations were being raised through the roof. Man, Jesus, he could be the one. Look at these miracles he's doing. Look at these amazing things. And uh, if you read through the Bible, you may not realize this, but about a year before this story, Jesus had gone back to his hometown in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4, and they threw him out of town. It actually, it actually says they tried to throw him off a cliff. And, and he was so cool because he's Jesus. He just walked right through the crowd. Can you imagine even having a desire in your heart to go back to a place like that? Talk about having to live a life without being offended. Here's, here's my friends, my family, the people I was raised around. They threw me out of town. I would never go back. I would seriously consider this is a place that's going to be scratched off my list of ever go see them again. And Jesus, in his heart of compassion, he says, I'm going to go back to my town and I'm going to give them another chance. And this is what it says in Mark chapter 6 and verse 2. Jesus went back to Nazareth and it says, The next Sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue. Many who heard him were amazed. And they asked, Where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? This is the reaction you would expect to see when Jesus shows up on the scene, isn't it? People being amazed. And don't, don't misread this verse and think, oh, it's all about Jesus just being a nice teacher. It says they were amazed by his teaching and the power and the miracles that were flowing. I, part, of, part of my heart is to present a picture of Jesus to the world that is the fullness of who he is. That is, it's not just, oh, he was a good teacher because he was that. He was a great teacher. But he was also full of power. He healed people. He cast out demons. He did supernatural things in his ministry that sometimes we forget and gloss over if we reduce it to he was just a nice guy who had some wise sayings. And they were amazed by him. This is what you would think would happen when Jesus shows up. But what happened instead, verse 3 of Mark 6, it says, Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Come on, in the space of one verse, they went from amazement to offense. We got to be careful because offense can sneak up on us pretty quick. Anybody in the room, you ever get offended before you even realized it? Holy cow, I just, I'm so upset at this person. I don't even know when it happened. It says they were offended at him. What makes him so special? He grew up right down the street from us. His sisters still live around the block. He never raised any of our neighbors from the dead. Come on, picture what these people are saying about Jesus. They're getting offended because Jesus didn't meet their expectations. And anytime, I'll, I will tell you this is still true in our life as Christians today. We have to be careful because anytime Jesus doesn't meet our expectations, we get tempted to be offended. We can be honest in church. We are all people here. If we went around the room, we could come up with story after story of, hey, Jesus didn't come through like I wanted him to or like I thought he should. 
And we get angry about it. We get upset. You ever have those battles with God? Come on, do we have any real people in the room? Or is this just, is this just Pastor Chris confessional time? I come here and I, I pour out my guts in front of you guys to tell you all my struggles. Come on, this is real stuff. We get offended when he doesn't meet our expectations. And we have to come back to a place of realizing, Lord, I don't understand this. But I'm going to trust that you know what's best for my life. I don't know why I'm going through this, why this person is still suffering. Come on, I've met person after person that they'll come and they'll have some grief with God. Lord, I don't understand, Pastor Chris. Tell me, how could he let my wife suffer for 40 years when he's a good God? And we get offended because he's not performing the way we want him to. In fact, I think unmet expectations are probably the biggest contribution to offenses in our lives. That person didn't believe like I think they should. They didn't act the way I thought they should. Come on. Come on, we've been married for 26 years. Seven this year. I did a lot of math in college. Come on, we've been married for 26 years. You ought to know better. Unmet expectations. Sometimes those are the things we got to start letting go. Man, I love my wife, and if she does this, it's just a bonus. Okay, right on that. (laughs) They start giving Jesus grief. He's just a carpenter. Come on, there's nothing supernatural about being a carpenter. We've seen that guy in the woodshed with sawdust in his hair and scuffed up his knuckles from working on the wood. They said he was the son of Mary. You you might not know this from reading that verse, but that was an insult. In Jewish culture, they always called guys by the name of their father. Even if the father was deceased, the proper thing, if they would have been talking about Jesus as one of the people they knew, they would have said Jesus, the son of Joseph. But for them to say, oh, that's Jesus, son of Mary, that was actually insulting in that culture at that time. We start to badmouth people that offend us. And I don't know about you, but I've read a lot of verses that talk about the power that's in our tongues. There's life and death right here in my mouth, behind my lips. And if we're not careful, we start to badmouth people. We're actually, we're actually pronouncing curses on people and saying, oh, they'll never perform or live up to my expectations. Or they're, just, they're not even worth it. They're just so-and-so that grew up around the corner. And then we start to badmouth them. Let's not, let's not do that. Verse 4. Let's go through this story. That's what I want to do because I really want to worship some more. That's, if, if it were up to me, we'd still be playing music and I'd just lay here on the floor on my face and worship Jesus. But, and there's some of you in the room that just thought, well, it is up to you, isn't it? <laughs> um, I just, I just love you guys for listening to stuff like this because I don't know why that Jesus is, is having us kind of mine this particular vein about being offended and dealing with our expectations and, and things that we think are right in the world. But there must be something that's going on in our culture, our society, and our lives right now that we really need to get a hold of this. Verse 4, it says, Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own town and his, among his relatives and his own family. Offense is an embodiment of dishonor. Taking offense dishonors people. Because that's exactly what happened. Jesus said, Oh, they're offended at me. And then he starts talking about, There's no honor here. 
And familiarity breeds contempt. There's another one that's not in the Bible for you, but it is a biblical principle. There is something about the people that we're closest to sometimes. We forget, we take them for granted, we get offended easily at them. And forgiving people, letting go of offenses, getting rid of grudges in our lives, that's actually a form of loving and honoring people. And the kingdom flows through honor. There's something about when we honor one another, when we value people the same way that Jesus values them, there's something that awakens in the dynamic of that relationship. But offense is dishonor. Uh, I think we need to keep some amount of wonder in our relationship with Jesus. Can we, can we get back to a place where we don't get so comfortable? Like, come on, hear, hear me on this. He really has called us his friends. We have an intimate relationship with this, him. He is our brother. He's the firstborn among many. There is something that Jesus is right here with us. But there is also this place of we need to stay in a sense of awe and wonder. This is also the one that created the universe. This is the one that gives me life and breath and holds everything together by the power of his word. There needs to be something where we come back to that place of worship and say, Jesus, I'm not taking you for granted. I'm going to maintain the sense of awe and wonder. And I think when we stay in that place, it's harder to get offended at him. Uh, And Jesus says in verse 5 and 6, it says, Because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Sometimes we, we get comfortable living in a place where we'd be excited if just a few sick people got healed. We'd, we'd go home from church on Sunday and say, yes, two sick people got healed today. It was awesome. And Jesus is looking at it saying, man, it was, there was so much unbelief here. I could only lay hands on a couple people and see them get healed. Oh, offense shuts up faith. When they were offended, it created this atmosphere where even Jesus being there on the scene, there was no faith for him to operate and to do anything. It prevents us from seeing what God has for us. Man, how many times would we let go of stuff if it was that clear? If, if Jesus sent us an email, does Jesus email? Is that cool for, for the next generation? Or is he just, if Jesus sent us a WhatsApp, uh, what else is out there? If he sent us a snap, like, I don't even know. I'm, I'm so out of the loop. Like, hey, I, anyway. Um, if Jesus sent you a message on your smart device in whatever app you want to use that made it that clear, that said, if you forgive and let go of this offense, you'll see this happen. You'll see this person get saved. You'll see this healing happen. You'll see this miracle take place. If it was that clear in a message in black and white right in front of us, how many of us would have no problem at all saying, I'm letting go of that. I, I forgive whoever I need. That'll happen if I forgive them. I'm doing it, Lord. If it was that clear, well, I think it is. Because in this passage, we see what offense does, and it stops faith from moving. What if holding on to our right to be offended is hindering what God wants to do? These are such fun verses. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit was here and we worship first. I don't want to be remembered as the person that it says Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. There were two times in Scripture where Jesus was amazed at a level of faith. And the one was the Roman centurion that says Jesus was amazed that he had such great faith. Man, I haven't found this in all of Israel. Your request, your servant is healed right now. That was one end of the spectrum. This is the other time he was amazed at a level of faith in Scripture, and it's because there wasn't any. 
He was amazed at their lack of faith. I know which one I'd rather be remembered for. And if that means I have to let go of some stuff to forgive and see God flow in our lives, we're going to do that. We, we, might, we get in this place, don't we? We think, oh, it's Jesus. I would never be offended at Jesus. Come on, anybody picture that? He's just, he would show up with his long hair and his beard and all smiling and he'd love me and I'd never get offended at him. Go back later, read uh, John chapter 6. He's, he's talking about communion, actually. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. And it says, from that time, many of his disciples turned away and they left because they were offended. It was such a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And it even got to the point where he turned around and looked at the 12 guys that were with him. Come on, the disciples, the ones that are closest with him. He says, are you guys going to leave too? He didn't beg them to stay. He just said, are you going to leave too? Is this too much for you? Thank God, as much as we ridicule Peter sometimes, and he's a hothead, and he always says these crazy things, thank God Peter had enough on the ball that he said, Lord, where else are we going to go? You've you've got the words of eternal life. When you speak, something happens in here that nobody else can make happen. When, When you speak, miracles occur. Like Peter at least had enough of a grasp to say, we're not leaving that. I don't understand all these other things you're saying. I'm getting upset by them. We see other people getting offended, but... Lord Jesus, I trust you because you've got the words of life. Man, meanwhile, back in our story, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 6, uh, we'll just finish up here. Uh, it says, Then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people, and he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. Isn't that amazing? Offenses don't stop Jesus' plan. It just limits our ability to participate in it. No revival happened in Nazareth. In, in fact, Jesus, uh, if you read through Scripture, Jesus never actually returned to the city of Nazareth again. He, when he was in the region of Galilee, he kind of moved his base of operations to Capernaum and said, hey, they're receiving me, they're believing, they're seeing miracles, we're going to start ministering here. His plan went on in spite of their offenses. And I will tell us that this morning, his plan goes on in spite of our offenses. It just limits our ability to participate in it. Oh, Jesus. We got to love people. We got to choose to look past those things and see them the way Jesus sees them. Uh, The picture I had this morning, sometimes people do offensive things. They don't even know they're doing it. They're acting out of character with who God created them to be. And we need to see that and understand that. If you've ever dealt with, the the closest thing I could think of as an analogy this week was if you've ever dealt with a parent or an elderly person that has dementia and you go to see them in the nursing home and they they throw the cup of water in the nurse's face or they say things that you're like, come on, when when my grandma was older, she said some words that I never knew she knew. Like, grandma, I never heard you say that. Every time you had me over to the house, like, I didn't know you knew those words. They're doing things that you know that's not who they really are. And just like we, we would never think to, to be so upset at that elderly person in our life who's, who's battling with dementia or who doesn't even know what they're doing, we would never say, you stupid idiot, Like, how could you do that? How could you respond that way? We have grace because we know who they really are and they're not acting in character with it right now, but we're patient and we're gracious about it. We choose not to be offended. And I think the same way we would do that for somebody we're related to that's dealing with that disease, we owe it to the world to say, man, 
I'm not going to choose. I'm going to choose not to be offended because I know you're not acting in the same character of who you were made to be. We have to see people with the same eyes that Jesus sees them with. If I could, let's have the worship team come back up. This would be a great time to do that. This, this is what I would like us to do this week. This, the, the action item I have for us, it's not rocket science. Let's expect Jesus to move. As, as we're processing this particular series and thinking about what offenses do we need to let go of, how about this? Let's not just forgive for the sake of forgiving, but let's expect to see Jesus show up in the middle of it. Like, well, maybe let me say that. If you, if you need to just forgive for the sake of forgiving and that's all the further you could get, start there. But let's also expect Jesus to move in these situations. We've, we've had a number over, over the years, we have had a number of testimonies of people in the church that have had relationships restored. That they, they came to the church, they were, they were getting their act together with Jesus, whatever phrase you want to use to talk about it. But they would come and say, man, I've been estranged from my family members. or I've got this broken relationship with my daughters and the family. And as they started to let Jesus work in their hearts, the next thing you knew, the relationships got healed and whole. There, there is some anointing that's been here that helps people process that. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to see like Jesus sees. And they've seen miracles of relationships being restored and people coming back together. And when I say expect Jesus to move, that's what I'm talking about. Whoever it is that we're offended at, whoever we need to forgive, whoever we need to let go of, wherever that relationship has been broken and we've been holding on to things, maybe we've let those walls go up like we read in Proverbs. When we forgive... Let's expect Jesus to come and do some mending of those hearts. Let's expect him to bring those relationships back together. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm going to ask a couple things right now. Uh, before you leave today, we've, we've actually, uh, it reminded me that I, I didn't fully explain the chalk wall in the lobby last week. We, we were talking about this series of what would represent unoffendable. And, uh, Several of the ideas were very offensive, so we didn't put those on the chalk wall. Thank you, Jesus. We had our filter in place that day. Uh, but Christina had the idea. She said, some people find graffiti very offensive. And so we said, hey, we've, we've never done that before. of just putting chalk out, let people draw whatever they want to draw or write some things on there. Uh, we, we will clean it up if it is offensive, so don't do that. But what I would like us to do is... I would like you to, before you leave the building today, write somebody's name on the board that you're praying for, that you want to see them get saved. You want to see a relationship restored with them. You just, you just want God to move in their life some way. And, and we're going to do that as a physical act of just saying, hey, I want people to agree with me. I'm believing this is who I'm praying for. I just want you to put their name on that board before you leave today. I think it would be pretty awesome if they showed up at church one day. And, and you pointed at that board and said, look, we've been praying for you. There's, there's people that love you already. They don't even know you, and they've been praying. So that's, do that with the chalk wall. Um, thank you, Lord. God, we come before you right now, knowing...
that there are relationships in our lives that we need to see your forgiveness flow. We need to let go of some offenses that we've carried. We need walls to be broken down, Lord Jesus. God, we are tired of being robbed of joy by the enemy, by uh, wedges being driven in and uh, unforgiveness being harbored and bitterness taking root, Lord Jesus, that's robbed of us of relationships and the joy and the life that comes from those things. And so, Lord, right now, we thank you that as we are in this room, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we forgive, as we let go of things, we have an expectation that you will move, that you will cause hearts to be knitted together, that you will cause a mending of relationships, that you will tear down walls that have been even existing for years in some cases. Even as, as we read the story or talked about the story from Mark 5, that there were two people with 12 years of issues going on. Lord, even if it's been that long, we believe that you are able to change things in a moment. God, I thank you for your life flowing through us to the people around us. As far as it lives, as far as it concerns us, Lord Jesus, we're going to live at peace with everybody. We're going to do our part to let things go and expect to see you move. We release salvation to those situations right now. We release your goodness. We pray, even as you commanded us, Lord Jesus, to pray for our enemies. We pray for those even who have knowingly offended us, that have done things on purpose to hurt us. We pray for them right now that your blessings would overtake them. We release forgiveness onto their lives. We turn them over to you and say, we trust you to do a work in their hearts that would turn this situation even into a blessing. God, you are the only one who is able. We love you. We love you. We love you. Come and move in our lives, Lord Jesus. God, we're tired of this being a season of doing it as we've always done it, of holding on to the things we've always held on to. Lord Jesus, we're tired of carrying the stuff we're not made to carry. And even now, right now, as we worship, we give it to you. We honor you, Lord Jesus. We ask you to take these burdens, even as you asked for them, take these burdens off of us and release your goodness, your life. In Jesus' name. Yeah.
Yeah, thank you, Lord Jesus. We just receive what you want to do today, Lord. Mm. Our lives belong to you, Lord Jesus. Mm. We're going to dismiss everybody else in a moment, but if you need any kind of prayer this morning, and uh, one of the words that somebody was getting is, if you came into this place today and you're experiencing any kind of heaviness, there's stuff just sitting on you. There's stuff that you feel just needs to be cleaned off your life. I encourage you, please come up and get some prayer before you go today. There'll, there'll be some people from the ministry team up here to pray for people. There's people in the congregation. They'll put their arm around you and walk with you, pray for you right where you are. But don't leave this place without getting some ministry. If you're, if you're feeling that tug at all of, I just need somebody to stand with me, pray over me. Do that before you go today. And uh, if you're in this room and or you're watching online and you've never even started a relationship with Jesus, you don't know what that looks like. Maybe you've gone even through the motions. Maybe you've attended some churches and, and you've just gone through the motions. This is supposed to be what I'm supposed to do, so I'll be here. But you've never really had a relationship with Jesus. This is a great day to start that. Just to say, Lord, I want it to be real in here. Jesus, I believe that what you did on the cross was for me. And I want you to come live in my life. He'll do that in that moment. The moment that you turn your attention to him and tell him that. And if that's you today, if you need to start that relationship, if you're in this room, come up and see us. Or if you're watching online, send us a note. Let us know that that's something I want to do and find out more about. Lord, we thank you for this moment in your presence today. Lord, mark our lives by today and what happened here in this room. God, I thank you that it's not just another service. It's not just another checklist, but you are here actively doing things in our lives. Lord, let this be a day that we notice that we are different when we leave this place. God, bless us indeed, even as we go from here. Let your goodness and your mercy follow us. Let it overflow in our lives to the people around us. Let our lives be a testimony of your goodness. We honor you and we bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. You're welcome to linger and, and worship a little more. Hang out if you want or you're free to go. Have a great afternoon. We love you guys. God bless.